With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me. It's my birthday. Thanks for hanging out with me on my birthday. I love my birthday. I love birthdays in general. Um, I always make far too big of a deal out of it, especially with my kids. I go all out. Like, the parties are crazy. Um, I love birthdays. It's one of my favorite uh, types of holidays. Um, Okay, so we have a fantastic show lined up for you. My friend Elizabeth Voss is here from Consortium News. Obviously, you guys know I love Consortium News. Elizabeth's fantastic, Um, and obviously, always much to discuss. Um, But... Before we jump into that, y'all, I have a crazy story for you. This story is crazy. And to be fair, it's been around for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now. I've been trying to like find ways to get to it or, you know, get it in there. There's been so much going on. Um, uh, I haven't been able to get to it, but okay, here we go. Are you ready? In Jackson, Mississippi, 215 bodies were recently discovered in unmarked graves behind a state jail. <laughs> insane uh so i shouldn't laugh it's horrific but it's um you know it's just another absurdity in this country so the families of those buried in what's known as the quote-unquote poppers field behind the hens county penal farm uh were never informed of the death of their loved ones let alone given the chance to retrieve the bodies or any of that stuff um so apparently there were actually 672 bodies buried in the poppers field covering the years two, uh, 2008 to 2023 uh documents obtained by nbc news present a, a list of 215 burials between the years 2016 and 2023 where no notification was given to the descendants family this is horrifying uh the name age race birth and death dates were all included for each of the 672 listed in the coroner's records um uh and in many cases this is uh so in many cases uh burials were consigned to the paupers fields because families could not pay for the cost of uh burial services and that's not an uncommon practice we've seen that happen before i mean literally that's why we have uh the term paupers grave um so that's not surprising however um many of these people were uh missing their their families had just um uh, uh said that they were missing um there was one man who and the reason why um this whole thing even came to light was because uh, of the persistence of Betterson Wade, who was a mother who spent seven months looking for her middle child, Dexter Wade, who suddenly went missing in March of 2023. Betterson, who would uh, Betterson would not find out the truth about her son until October of 2023. Uh, Dexter had been killed shortly after leaving his mother's home, hit by a Jackson police car while crossing a nearby interstate highway. And this is really the aspect of it that I wanted to get into because I have been saying, if you know me, you know, I am kind of a true, not kind of, I am a true crime nerd. I am all about uh, uh, true crime and serial killers and missing persons cases and all of that stuff. I think it's fascinating. Um, I know that makes me like a basic white girl, right? (laughs) There's a lot of us out there. Um, But I'm very interested in in all of it. And here's what I have been saying for many years. And I'm certainly not the only person that has been saying this, but in my opinion, uh, a lot, and I mean a lot of unsolved crimes, missing person cases, unsolved murders, 
There are cops behind those. There's no question in my mind. Uh, there are a great deal of um, criminal cases, missing persons situations. And this is just proof of that, right? And this, to be fair, not all of the people who were found in these graves were killed by cops. Um, some of them were drug overdoses. Some of them were uh, murdered and, uh, you know, other situations, gang violence, whatever it was. Um, but there is at least one, at least one of the people that we know for sure was hit by a, a cop car. Uh, and then he was just uh, uh, buried behind the jail. And they are making uh, the other the prisoners of the jail dig these graves. Um, uh, there's been people who have said it's horrific. There's a bunch of like birds flying overhead because they're very shallow graves. They're not given. It's not there. There's no casket. There's no proper burial. They're just kind of tossed into the ground. Um, so this is insane. The idea that this is and it's it, if you have noticed there's been I haven't to be fair, I don't watch mainstream media, but I have seen even when I went to look for information on the case to talk to uh, talk to you guys about it here, there's I couldn't find anything really from like CNN or Fox News or whatever. I, I mean, I was able to find stuff from like World Socialist website and um some local uh, uh, news networks in the Jackson area. Jackson Advocate Online has a great article up, which is what I've been reading from here. Um, so it's they're not really talking about it. And uh, we should also mention, too, that uh, <laughs> these people are now. Uh, now that they have finally found their loved ones who they have thought to have been missing, now they have to pay to get them back. They have to pay to get their body, their body back. They want the, uh, each family to pay $250 in order to obtain a death certificate uh, to have their bodies released to them for proper burial. This is insanity. Uh, and so um, we should mention, too, that Crump, um, uh, civil rights attorney Ben Crump, has issued a clarion call for justice on behalf of the relatives and friends and close associates of these people. Uh, this is definitely something I'm going to keep an eye on. I think it's insane. I think that this is probably uh, <laughs> throw a rock at any jail. Uh, and I think that you're probably going to find uh, similar situations. And again, I think that there is a very good case to be made that um, uh, a, a lot of unsolved murders and missing people cases um, have cops behind them in some way, shape, form or fashion. They are essentially above the law. When you are the law, you are above the law. And I think that uh, this is just one crazy uh, example of that. 215 people. And also, uh, just to be clear. Uh, when these people died, drug overdose, whatever, it's not like they died and didn't have ID on them or they weren't able to obtain identification. These people were like found with their identification in their pockets. So there's no excuse at all whatsoever for them to just toss them in some shallow grave behind a jail rather than notify their family members and treat them as human beings and give them proper respect and all of that stuff. It's just horrific. This is just horrific. But there you have it. Um, okay. Don't forget you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write-up for the guest of the day every day, so you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And if you would like, you can shoot me an email, mistywinston at tntradio.live. I've gotten several over the last uh, few days. Um, thank you for those. I'm looking into all of the suggestions that you're leaving me. I appreciate that very much. Um, uh, so if you have a guest idea, show idea, or a question, or whatever, just hit me up, and I'll try to get back to you. And while you're at it, while you're doing all the emailing and following and all of that stuff, uh, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We are on all the major social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter, so you can help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, this is very frustrating and sad. American journalist Gonzalo Lira, who was highly critical of the Ukrainian government's tyrannical behavior and the lies being spread about the war in Donbass, 
has reportedly died while imprisoned in Ukraine. Terrible. Here with this story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. So the United States completely turned their backs on one of our own, and he has now died after um, medical neglect, really. I mean, tell us what's going on here, Adam. Yep. The United States just said, you F around, you find out, I think, unfortunately. Um, we're seeing this happen. I mean, what, why are journalists dropping like flies. Um, yeah, very sad. Uh, and this we're, we're learning about this uh, courtesy of a statement from um, Gonzalo's father, whose name is a senior. So it's that's where his name came from. Uh, so the the elder uh, Gonzalo uh, sent out a handwritten uh, letter that went, you know, made the rounds. Um, and uh, they he said that basically this is because they uh, he was denied uh, medical care. Uh, it's not good. Uh, the report is that Lyra, who was 55 at the time of his death, lived in Kharkiv Kark and blogged uh, under the name Coach Red Pill, uh, but switched to YouTube commentary after the conflict with Russia escalated in February of 2022. We're almost up to two years with this. That's crazy. Uh, he was arrested by the Security Service of Ukraine, the SBU, last May and was accused of, quote unquote, discrediting the Ukrainian leadership and the military. And this is the ultimate end of that, I suppose, sadly. Uh, his father, Gonzalo, <clears throat> excuse me, Lira Sr., wrote in a note which was published by The Gray Zone, among other places, uh, quote, I cannot accept the way my son has died. He was tortured, extorted, incommunicado for eight months and 11 days, and the U.S. Embassy did nothing to help my son. The responsibility of this tragedy is the dictator Zelensky with the concurrence of a senile American president, Joe Biden, end quote, uh, Lyra Sr. Also reached out to ex-host Tucker Carlson, confirming the death of his son in Ukrainian custody. He had spoken to Carlson about the case in early December, not that long ago. Uh, Lyra resurfaced from custody in late July with a series of posts on X revealing that revealing his torture in jail and attempts by the SBU to extort him for money. He said he was trying to flee to Hungary and seek asylum. Uh, he wrote uh, in his last public message, quote, either I'll cross the border and make it to safety or I'll be disappeared by the Kiev regime, end quote. Two days later, uh, it was basically uh, discovered that he had been caught and imprisoned by Ukrainian authorities. So he was correct. Uh, according to a handwritten note, uh, Lyra's sister received on January 4th, provided to the gray zone by her father, Gonzalo Lyra Jr. had severe health problems caused by pneumonia and a collapsed lung, which began in mid-October. Ukrainian prison authorities only acknowledged the issue on December 22nd and stated he would undergo surgery. Following his father's appearance on Carlson's show, uh, Elon Musk personally inquired about Lyra's case with both U.S. President Joe Biden and Ukrainian leader Vladimir Zelensky via X, of course, but apparently to no effect. Uh, Lyra was a national of both the U.S. and Chile. According to his thread from last July, the Chilean embassy in Kiev at least tried to help him, while the U.S. mission gave him only, quote unquote, empty bromides. Lyra suggested that this was because Victoria Newland, currently the acting deputy uh, to Secretary of State Antony Blinken, personally disliked him. Misty, there's the report. What do you have to say?
I mean, what can you say? You know what I mean? Like, what can you say? An American journalist uh, was essentially kidnapped um, for doing journalism. And listen, Gonzalo Lira was a very controversial figure. I didn't agree with him on a whole host of issues. Um, and so you'll see people on Twitter. I've been seeing people on Twitter, uh, you know, talking about those things where they disagree with him on. Um, I just because I disagreed with him on some issues doesn't mean he deserved to die in a Ukrainian prison. That's absurd. Um, so uh, it's it's always very strange to me when people are unable to kind of separate those disagreements. Um, it's not like he was, uh, you know, some world leader who was directly responsible for genocide or anything like that stuff. I mean, when Henry Kissinger dies, I'm not crying any tears. Uh, when Gonzalo Lira dies, despite the fact that I had many differences with him, it's a very sad thing. Um, and you're right. It, this is... Uh, this is the continuance of the attacks on journalism. And we've seen this. I really feel like a broken record. And I realize that I sound like a broken record because this is what I have been doing for too long. Um, but it is, this is, I don't know if it could be made any clearer that there is a global attack on truth and journalism. There is a desperate attempt by Western imperialism, uh, by empire to uh, gain full control over the narrative. They want to be able to control everything, everything that you read, that you see, that you hear, that you think. Um, and uh, it, this is not, I mean, this is just, again, I feel like a broken record. This is just going to keep getting worse. We've seen people like Craig Murray have to go to jail for bogus charges. We've seen people like Kit Clarenberg um, be detained at the airport in his home country um, and interrogated for his journalistic activities. Obviously, I don't think I need to bring up the fact that Julian Assange, journalist and publisher, is still in Belmarsh prison for First of all, with no charges, he's being held with no charges, um, but for the crime of journalism, for the crime of exposing the truth about uh, uh, the American empire um, and the West in general. So it is very troubling to me that this is uh, that this is happening and that, first of all, that he was even allowed uh, that the United States did nothing to help him. This is an American citizen being held in a Ukrainian prison. Very clearly, we got some pull there, Adam. We're giving them a whole lot of money. We very easily could have gotten him out of that prison and we did nothing, not a thing was done uh, uh, to aid him in that situation. And it's just, it's, it's horrific. And I, I feel bad for his father. His father is right to be upset. I don't know that there's going to be any repercussions for this though. What do you think, Adam? Uh, yeah, uh, it's probably all fake news, Misty, because this could never happen in a democratic society. <laughs> and right. I believe Ukraine is is on paper, aren't they? Wasn't Zelensky democratically elected by the people? Totally. I mean, don't they have yeah. all that going on over there? Yeah, clearly uh, Ukraine mm. has moved past that point, uh, as was mentioned in my reporting, uh, referred to Zelensky as a dictator. Um, but this is what a, a reminder of what we fight for here, what constitutionally protected rights and what, you know, in the United States of America and, you know, why that's important, because without it, th this could happen and they don't even need an excuse. They don't need to, like, just deny you medical, uh, you know, uh, treatment until you die uh, alone in a prison somewhere. That's so sad. I, it's just terrible. But, yeah, no, they'll, they'll do it in your face. You know, uh, if they had their way, they would just drag you out in the street and be done with it. Like You had something bad to say about Biden? Click, click, bang. You know, that's what right? they really want, Misty. And that's what we're trying to prevent. We're supposed to have the right to free speech and to address grievances with our government. That's what we stand for. That's what's protected in the United States Constitution. So this is a sad reminder of why our country is supposed to be different and what we're fighting for and why it's so important.
Yes. Thank you for that. Yes. And that is, um, uh, that's, I wish that people would recognize the seriousness of this. I realize that um, free speech and press freedom are very kind of abstract concepts. I don't think um, unless it's unless you're personally being censored, I don't think it's something that will smack you in the face as something that's really um, important or like a dire situation that needs to be addressed immediately. It's a dire situation that needs to be addressed immediately. They're chipping away at these rights um, every single day. And now they're just essentially murdering journalists in broad daylight. Um, And again, that will only continue to get worse. And it will if you think it's only coming for journalists, remember, they get to define what journalism is and who qualifies as a journalist. So if you tweet something that they don't like, this could also come for you. Don't get it twisted. And it's a terrifying day um, uh, that this is that this was able to get this far. So uh, thanks, I guess, for bringing us this story. Adam, have a great weekend. We will talk to you again on Monday. Hang tight. We're going to be back with Elizabeth Voss right after this on TNT. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around. So that's not really taking off the way they want to either. And then she said something very interesting. She said, you know what? When the water crisis comes, people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water. And if you don't have water for a few days at a time, you'll know all about it. So maybe, you know, we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a World Economic Forum type narrative. Could this be what it is? Locked and loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right. Our guest today is Elizabeth Lee Voss. Elizabeth is an incredible independent journalist. Uh, She's a regular contributor to Consortium News. You guys know I love Consortium News, talk about them all the time. Uh, She also co-hosts their live news program, CN Live with Joe Loria. Uh, You can find Consortium News at consortiumnews.com. And you can find and follow Elizabeth on Twitter at Elizabeth Lee Voss. And it's L-E-A-V-O-S. Elizabeth, thanks for coming back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. 
Yeah, of course. Okay, so listen, um, I think it's been a little while since you've been on the show. And obviously, we've had um, the announcement of the upcoming uh, new court dates for Julian Assange. I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on this. I feel like every time you come on, we talk about Assange, which is fine. uh, But there's a lot to talk about. So but I did just want to um, get your impression of uh, these two new hearings. They're going to be held February 20th and 21st in London at the Royal Court uh, Court of Justice. Um, It's uh, it's a little it's a little bit weird right now. I think that we're as as we're moving into an election year um it seems like they would not want to have him extradited to the united states i feel like that opens up a can of worms but i don't know you never know with this it, it seems as if it could go either way what, what what's your impression of, of what these uh these two new court dates will bring well based on what we've seen before i'm i'm pretty pessimistic unfortunately i don't have a lot of hope for this going in in the in the right direction but i and I and I agree with you on the um, the implications of extraditing Assange in an election year, but I also think that it's highly likely that what what would happen if he was extradited would be something along the lines of, um, you know, everything being completely silenced. We know that with national security cases, we don't see a lot of um, you know they can basically shut down everything to the public. So I think as long as they kept everything zipped up, essentially that. That, that that may be a, a price that Biden, et cetera, is willing to take, basically. So um, I, I'm not very hopeful. I hope to be um, I hope to have my expert expectations, um, you know, surpassed, basically. But so, yeah, but uh, I um, I was really um, impressed by Consortium News's coverage of the ICJ hearings with uh, on the Israel subject over the last uh, two days, also with Craig uh Former uh, UK Ambassador Craig Murray's coverage of the uh, the hearings. We do have ourselves in a sticky situation here, as you said. You don't feel very optimistic about it. I feel the same way. Um, I it's um you know I, I think it's been made very apparent that they have no interest whatsoever in doing the right thing here, and very clearly the court system is completely corrupted. Right? There's been all kinds of conflicts of interest exposed throughout this entire situation. Definitely. And I think that the uh, corporate press is so in the pocket of, uh, you know, the U.S. government, U.K. government, that there's not a lot of hope, I think, of the kind of outrage that would really make um, uh, extraditing Assange not worth it to the Biden administration, even in an election year. Unfortunately, I really hope to be wrong, but that's that's the way that I see it at this time. So. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And uh, we've seen that play out over the course of the past uh, over a decade now, uh, where mainstream media, despite the fact that they um, benefited greatly from the work of WikiLeaks, awards were won, careers were made, lots of money was made from using the work of WikiLeaks um, uh, in their uh, coverage. People like Luke Harding, I mean, dudes written books and all kinds of stuff, basically on the backs, on the back of what WikiLeaks has done and exposed. Um, But they had no issue throwing Julian Assange under the bus, and I think that they will continue to do so. Um, so you're right. I think that there's probably not, which is very frustrating that there's not more outrage, in particular in the journalism community. Um, I think, frankly, they recognize that they themselves are not actually journalists, and so what's coming for Assange is not going to come for them. Uh, but it is very frustrating to see that there isn't that kind of outrage in that in those spaces. But um, uh, hopefully, we can at least um, move the needle in terms of public pressure. Um, so again, if you are anywhere near London on February 
February 20th and 21st. Get to the court. You have time to request days off of work if you need to find babysitters, whatever you need to do. Get to the court if you can. And also, as I always say, um, there will be global events taking place. Um, so if you can find an event near you, you can also attend one of those as well. Um, and at the very least, we can make some noise and at least try to increase political pressure. So, um, okay. I also wanted to talk to you about, obviously, the situation in Israel-Palestine. Um, I don't think uh, you might have been on uh, once, I think, since it all kicked off. But we've now reached an interesting point. We've now had these past two days. And speaking of mainstream media, the thing that I thought was super interesting, and I mentioned this yesterday on my show, yesterday when South Africa was giving their statements and all of that, zero coverage in mainstream media. None. Zero. Today, plenty of coverage as Israel responds. I noticed the same thing. And I think that's very, very telling. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just more, more of the same from establishment media. And I was reading a New York Times piece that tried to basically make it kind of a, a he said, she said sort of situation in, in the sense of giving the appearance of um, of a platform to the Palestinian side of things, but really just a complete whitewash for Israel. So even when when corporate press sort of uh, gives some sort of voice to to Palestine, the Palestinian side, it's it's a complete deception. It's very manipulative um, and very dishonest. So. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think that one of the most interesting ways that that's been playing out, at least for me, um, as somebody who likes to pay attention to uh, the way propaganda is used and um, the way that a narrative is sold, I think, for example, you'll see headlines where, um, you know, uh, Israelis are killed, but Palestinians die. You know what I mean? Or they'll say uh, there was I, for I forget the one where it was um, a Palestinian was hit by bullet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even right. A Palestinian was shot by an Israeli soldier. Like it's just the way that they couch things, the way that they present things. Um, it's very clear the story that they're trying to sell and the way that they're trying to present the information. Um, and you're right. I think that, that that's no surprise, but it is very frustrating to watch that. Right. Definitely. Yeah, I think uh, Joe Laurier did some great reporting on the both days of the hearing. And then Craig Murray did an amazing yes. job. He got into the actual courtroom and was uh, blogging from there. So that was really great to read his account. I thought it was really interesting that he noted that when the um, the South African uh, representatives were basically talking about the most um, kind of moving details of what's going on in Gaza, the uh, the head judge was was uh, messing with her iPad, was ignoring what she was saying. So having those those in the room details was very very helpful. Yeah, um, and, and Craig Murray very does, illuminating. Yes, yes, he's uh, Craig Murray's fantastic, and he did so um, managed to get into the courtroom. Uh, did so by having to show up very early uh, to get in the queue, um, and hasn't really slept. He said that he he was up, you know, basically for the past couple of days uh, because he, he, there really isn't any chance to sleep. Um, so yeah, Craig Murray uh, he also did a great job covering the Assange uh, hearings as well. He uh, he does a fantastic job of um, really giving an in inside look uh and he's kind of our eyes and ears um inside the courtroom which is fantastic but yeah it's um i don't do you, I, I i there's there's really little chance that there's going to be any accountability for israel i think even if there is um you know a ruling in favor of the palestinians here or against israel however you want to uh, present that i think that um it, we've seen that israel is very protected right they have the backing of uh the uh, entire western establishment um and that's sad because i feel like it is um we're watching Palestine be wiped from the map. We're watching the Palestinian people be wiped from the map. 
So that's very sad and frustrating to watch. Um, and I just don't know. I just, it's hard for me to see where this ends. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, this court, from what I've read, is slightly more independent from the Western yes. establishment than the ICC. But, uh, you know, according you know, Craig Murray, who I think is very well informed on the particulars of each individual judge on this massive panel of judges, is pessimistic about the outcome. So I think I, I don't I, likewise, I don't expect it to be in favor of South Africa. But I I think that the hearing itself, just the fact of airing all this information, the airing of this level of truth is in itself helpful. And I also think that if the the court comes down on the side of Israel, I think it will be a massive public uh, delegitimization of kind of the U.S. empire and our quote-unquote rules-based order. I think it will show that there is no rules-based order when it comes to actual justice and that the, the, it's, it's one set of rules for the U.S. and its allies and a completely other set of rules for everyone that opposes them. Yeah, I think that's beyond clear anyways. But yeah, I think it's um, uh, there's and I think that what's going to happen is, is we're going to continue to see the protests grow. There's another one taking place tomorrow in Washington, D.C. And I think globally, I think there's one in London as well. Um, I'm sure there are others that are taking place. And I think that those are and I I have an uh, uh, I would guess that tomorrow's uh, at least the D.C. one is going to be massive. Uh, the initial one that they did uh, some weeks ago um, was like three to four hundred thousand people, I think, were the uh, estimates that I saw. I think this one's probably going to be much larger than that. That one was very, uh, was very quickly organized. They didn't have a lot of time. Uh, this one, they've had about a month to get together. So I think it's likely to be much, much bigger. And I think that that kind of. Uh, uh, pressure is going to continue. Now, I don't know what difference that will make because very clearly they don't care what we think, right? They do not care. So, um, but I do think that uh, that at least gives me some hope because I feel like an overwhelming majority of human beings on planet Earth now see through the charade, right? They see through the, um, as you just said, the the idea that the West has any, um, uh, is the moral superior to anyone or that they care at all about humanity or human rights or rules-based order or any of that stuff has been shown to be a complete farce. And I think that as this situation continues to uh, develop and Israel continues to slaughter innocent people every single day, uh, that's only going to be exposed even further. I agree. And I, I also agree with what you said earlier, that, that the the fact that it's a farce has been true for a long time. It's been clear for a long time. But as we see with these massive protests, I think that it, this is the first time that so many people have seen through that farce at mm -hmm. once. Um, unfortunately, it's because of such gr grotesque violence being live streamed on social media and news every single day that just doesn't stop no matter how many people protest. But um, yeah, that, that's the one thing that's resulted is people on a massive scale are seeing the reality of, of uh, international relations. So. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about that because this is something I've been speaking about on the show. I've been uh, talking to many people uh, um, from all different walks of life on there, uh, Scott Horton and Sam Husseini and a whole host of other people. But I think that what has been the most interesting for me is um, because prior to this, this uh, this current flare up of um, the violence between uh, or I, I guess with Israel against Palestine um, is not new. This is it happens every, you know, five, 10 years or whatever. There will be a new flare 
flare up and a bunch of people will get killed. The violence never really ends, but I mean the big, um, you know, where there's a, a slaughter that takes place. And so, you know, 2014, 2008, we've seen this take place time and time again. And I think what's interesting about this, this particular moment in time, is that prior to this, Israel was very good at narrative management. They were very good at spin. They had full control over Western media. Um, and I think that it was really difficult for people to see, as you just said, to see through, like to see behind the veil. And I think that what's so interesting about now is that, in my opinion, I think because of social media and because we are now able to literally live stream the genocide as it's happening, and not only that, to debunk the lies in real time as they come out. I mean, Israel will, will tell a lie and within an hour it is debunked. People have looked into it. There's a, a whole host of evidence. And I think that that is um, at least slightly it gives me a little bit of hope because i feel like that has uh, and th i think that's why they're cl clamping down on censorship and things like that obviously um but i do think it, it has given me a little bit of hope that they're uh there now that veil has been lifted and in my opinion there's no going back now right there's no going back to the way that it was yes i agree and i think that um the the fact that we're able to see uh israel's lies debunked yes that's absolutely new in terms of people really paying attention to it um we're also able to to uh you know see their attempts at propagandizing but also i mean they are live streaming themselves like as we heard in the first day of these uh, icj uh, proceedings the soldiers themselves are putting on TikTok and social media their genocidal intent, you know, where mm -hmm. there was one soldier that was filmed basically saying, where are the babies, et cetera, et cetera. It's, I mean, it's just awful stuff. Um, so it, it's from both sides of it. It's from the Israelis themselves uh, and, and Israeli soldiers specifically as well, uh, documenting their atrocities, documenting themselves blowing up, you know, entire blocks. Then it's also um, on the Palestinian side that their press and, you know, their uh, civilians managing to get the reality of what's going on on the ground to all of us. And it's just, it's, it's also a really psychologically... Um, I think it's psychologically, this is a first uh, for such a massive number of people to be witnessing such violence and horror, yeah. especially against babies, young children, uh, civilians uh, on a daily basis and to be powerless to do anything about it other than to protest, but to protest and then to see nothing happen. Um, that's a really unique situation for the world public to be in. I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like this because even in in, uh, in the cases of truly brutal wars and atrocities in the past, you know, it was only the people involved that saw that. Um, you know, whether it's World War One, whether it's uh, the uh, nuclear attacks in Japan, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the world it's, has never really been such a powerless witness to this. So um, I, I don't know what that's going to do to the the broader public psychologically, but I think that's also a first. So. Yeah, for sure. And it's so difficult to, um, and I mean, I can't even imagine living it, being a Palestinian and living in Gaza and dealing with that um, constant fear and anxiety that I can't, I can't even begin to put myself in those shoes, but just witnessing it is so, I mean, it's exhausting. It's horrifying. It is depressing. It is, I mean, I have to step away from it often, like over the weekend, I have to just take a break from the news in general, because we are being bombarded with some of the most horrific images that I have ever seen. Um, and it is, it's daily. I mean, it is just a continuous bombardment and you're right. I don't know what that does to, uh, the global psychology. And I think that it's very, um, this really feels like a, um, uh, kind of a crossroads for humanity on various different fronts. I mean, I've been speaking uh, about the Assange situation, how that feels like it is 
a turning point in human history. It's going to go one of two ways and it's going to make a huge difference which direction we go. And I feel like um, the Israel-Palestine situation is another example of that. I feel like there is, it really, it sounds so cliche and stupid, but it really does feel like a fight between good and evil. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I don't even really believe in necessarily good and evil, um, but it just, it feels that uh, dire that, I mean, it really does feel like it's that big of a deal and that there is um, you know, this broader, uh, these broader implications to what happens here. And it's just, it's very frustrating that they are able to get away with this. Again, they're not hiding it, Elizabeth. Like they, today they went in, uh, and tried to pretend as if they, uh, they're doing everything they can to prevent civilian casualties. I mean, has a bigger crock of crap ever been spoken out loud in a court of law? We all know that that's not true. You are indiscriminately bombing a city filled with children. That's ju you just can't. That's just not. Sorry, you're using dumb bombs, white phosphorus. Really? You're doing your best to prevent civilian casualties? It's just absurd to me that they're able to, um, you know, speak that kind of nonsense in a court of law and there will be no accountability. Um, and that's, I think, very, it's, it's devastating. But I do think that, uh, again, I'm trying to find like a little glimpse of hope and it feels as if the global population is starting to see through, uh, you know, that kind of um, those shenanigans. And I think that that I don't know what that means. I don't know where it goes from here, what what, what direction that takes us. But it does feel like we're in a very interesting uh, place in time right now. Would you agree? Definitely. I think we're, we're at, at the very least we're heading into a uh a post-Western uh, democracy has moral authority world, definitely, yes. at minimum. I, 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 I can't see how anyone could ever believe that lie again after witnessing this. Um, I also think that it is interesting that Israel is so um, willing to just keep on with their, with their um, blatant disregard for any uh, pretense of, you know, uh, caring for human rights while, you know, saying they do at least in court. Um I, and it does bring to mind to me just the level of um, untouchability that the Israeli government seems to feel that it has and seems yes. to have had over the over the you know preceding decades. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I then I th I think about the um, the recent news with the Jeffrey Epstein case with these documents being released uh, by the court in that in that subject. And, you know, it brings up some larger questions for me. I think that the media doesn't like to ask about, well, well who was Jeffrey Epstein working for? You know, Hassan. what was Alexander, <laughs> who was Andrew, what was Andrew, Alexander Costa talking about when he said that Epstein belonged to intelligence? Well, whose intelligence mm -hmm. and, and what did that do? What national security decisions are influenced by blackmail and that type of thing? So, um, yeah, I think that we were living in really interesting times. I just wish that the press would do its job. Yes. So. I mean, there there are some people in the press. Uh, obviously, the gray zone has done phenomenal work. I mean, uh, Max and Aaron uh, taking on the um, sexual assault charges from October 7th and debunking it piece by piece. That's bold. I mean, to have two dudes go after a subject matter like that, the way that they have is ballsy. And I give them all the credit in the world and their work is great. I mean, it's, it's solid and it's, um, it's really difficult to argue with them based on facts. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there are some people in the press who are doing some of that work. 
And obviously you have people like Whitney Webb who have been talking about Jeffrey Epstein and his connections to both the CIA and the Mossad for a very long time. I think that what's interesting now is that a lot more people are being exposed to that reality. Um, and I think a lot more people are asking those questions now, whether or not the mainstream media will ask them, I think might be irrelevant. I think the mainstream media is dying a very slow and painful death. Um, and I think less and less people as uh, the older generations, this sounds terrible, but as the older generations die off, I think mainstream media is in fact going to die with it as well. I think the younger generations are getting their news and information from uh, uh, the internet, from social media, from uh, alternative news sources. And I think that that's going to continue to grow. But I do think that what's interesting, and I, uh, I forget who I asked about this the other day, maybe Dave DeCamp. Um, but it's so frustrating to me to see people on the right who are rightfully out here you know, raising a, a a lot of noise about Jeffrey Epstein and child sex trafficking, but then giving full-throated support to Israel. Like y'all, who do you think he worked for? <laughs> he worked for Israel, exactly. at least in part. Yeah. It's very, it's very uh, confusing to see that type of a switch. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what to make of it. There's some cognitive dissonance there for sure. Yes. Uh, I think that they would maybe prefer to think that it was only people like, um, it, that they don't like in politics that were involved mm -hmm. with Jeffrey Epstein or that the, only the CIA was involved with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and, and you know, it, it's easy to to make those connections and then just simply stop there when it implicates the people that you personally don't like. Um, I think, as you said, Whitney Webb, um, also journalist uh, Nick Bryant has done an amazing job on the mm -hmm. Epstein case. He was uploaded his uh, black book, the Epstein black book to the internet. Um, and so the the connections that Epstein had, I think, uh, you know, unfortunately, mainstream press is not going to ask the questions about who he's working for, but also they're not going to be asking, well, why aren't there prosecutions of these people that yes. are reportedly his associates or the people who are the, his customers? Why is there not an investigation? Um, uh, Nick Bryant recently reported that even the investigation into the investigation of why Epstein got such an inappropriate sweetheart deal that in the secondary investigation of that was uh shut down so yeah. um yeah so you yes. just it's just there's a lot that's a big old rabbit hole and you're right i wish yeah. that that was getting more discussion and also i wish that people were having the conversation about uh the fact that the united states government and um uh, israel uh, uh you know, we're both using child sex trafficking to control and entrap and manipulate world leaders. That is something people need to talk about. We need to have that because it didn't that didn't end with Jeffrey Epstein. That continues right now. I would be willing to bet my life on it. It didn't end with Epstein. Um, it's a very effective method of control. And I think that that's it's very it's it's very frustrating that those questions aren't being asked. But hopefully, um, you know, more and more people will start to ask those questions. So, um, Elizabeth, thanks for coming on the show. I do apologize for the technical difficulties. I am so sorry to leave you hanging there. I was so paranoid about that, no but uh, it worked out in the end. So thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome back anytime. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now, and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shea is right after this on TNT.